My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the unofficial podcast that recaps Stranger Things, the popular Netflix property. Uh, I said popular. That is not a word on any planet that I am aware of. So if you've never heard the show before, first, it's amazing. Uh, There's quite a few little Stranger Things podcasts popping up all over the Upside Down. So would you please take a moment to smash that subscribe button and go ahead and rate it five stars if you're not a heathen. And uh, tell your friends about it. You know, leave a review. Uh, yeah. Talk about it on Facebook. Do Get a little the word uh, out there. Snapchat filter of you listening to it with your Beats headphones. Get uh, it, this is what you got to do, listener. You got to treat yourself. Steve. Put on some thick black glasses so you don't see any light. Draw a bath. Mm. Pour a lot of salt in that bath water. And just lay there and float and listen to our voices. How much uh, salt do you think you need, Steve? Uh, about 1,500 pounds Fif- worth of salt. Oh, geez, That's geez. not that much. Don't worry. Just go to your That'll local trick. middle school. Uh, break in, steal their de-icer salt, and uh, yeah. It's going to take you places if you do that. Listen mm-hmm. to our voices <laughs> in the bathtub of salt, and it'll take you places. It'll get freaky. Lay in the bath and listen to streaming things. Streaming things. Streaming things. <laughs> All right, we do that from time to time for new <laughs> listeners. Uh, so yeah, this is our first uh, rewatch since it debuted, except for Andy who is on his third rewatch. And that's our little stick. We watch each episode and then hop right on the mics. Like the little hoppers, little David Harbors. A little <laughs> hop joke. It's a little hop joke for you. So this episode, this is chapter seven, The Bathtub, which is where you are now listening if you were paying attention and following directions. Netflix describes this episode thusly. Eleven struggles to reach Will while Lucas warns that the bad men are coming. Nancy and Jonathan show the police what Jonathan caught on camera. Jonathan, I don't know what uh, a naked Nancy photo has anything to do with this case. <laughs> Why are you showing us this photo? I mean, she's got a sweet back, but... Uh, I feel like everything in that description happens in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. It definitely does. <laughs> yeah. And yet, it works. I was in. All right. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody reads those anyway. For like episode seven, you know, you're just... The next episode's already just prompted because the first time you watch this, it's just solid eight hours of right. just debauchery. Netflix automatically plays the next episode if you don't do anything for mm-hmm. during the credits. Are you still watching? Doesn't do that. What does it? It does. Actually. Does it still do that? Yeah, you it better does, still be watching. It's got to be a long time. Like my I- son's four and he watches Sarah and Duck, which is a great little Sarah British television show. And uh, so you just leave it on while we play Legos all day and stuff. Yeah. And eventually it's like, are you still watching? I'm like, mind your own fucking business, Netflix. I yeah. mean, I always get that, in, that impulse of, man, Netflix, why are you judging? Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, if it went away, I would kind of be sad. Like, I feel like it's watching my back. It's got my best interest at heart. <laughs> like, are you still watching? Shouldn't you go outside? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I should say this episode was written by Justin Doble. Uh, for those that care about the finer points of how television works. Uh, J-Dub. There's, there's that info. Yeah, we call him J-Dub. We don't call him that. Uh, so, we uh, we cut to uh, the opening of the episode is Mike cleaning up Eleven, uh, or helping her clean up, and less 
weird way than that sounds. And we get a cute romantic exchange um, where they almost confess their little childhood love for one another. And there's almost like an adolescent kiss even. Mm-hmm. that They sort of lean in a little. Silly yeah. as Dustin interrupts. I love the line right before Dustin uh, interrupts because uh, Elle looks at Mike and says, am I still pretty? And he's like, totally. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, you are. And I don't think it meant <laughs> yeah. to be hesitant, but it definitely came off of yeah. like, I mean... Not as pretty. (laughs) Or maybe they're really hyping up like she was really dirty. She hasn't showered in a couple days. (laughs) It's like I'm into blondes, but uh, we're still friends. So uh, uh, Mike figures out that the repair trucks, the Hawkins energy trucks, are part of the organization that's coming to get them. Uh, Which I thought was pretty smart because they're unaware of what Lucas has, his information, where he spotted them in the compound. So he didn't have much sleuthing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lucas tries to reach them on the walkie, uh, says the bad men are coming after uh, some feedback and various things where they couldn't hear one another. A little frustrating trying to, does he, did he what did he say? What did mad that, Dustin? Yeah. The mad, the mad hens are coming? Yeah. I mean, it would have been <laughs> Is that funnier. name? Does that mean anything to you guys? If they ran anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the mad hens are coming. Why, why are mad hens coming after us? I don't know. Run, get 11. <laughs> Mom. Did you order any mad hens? <laughs> Tell them I've left the country. <laughs> <laughs> the whole scene works just the same with the mad hens. Uh, so Mike figures that out. And uh, it, some terrible mothering goes on. Karen is not the mom of the year. No. She goes up <laughs> when Mike comes up and he's very upset. He's obviously in some sort of trouble. And she's like uh, on the phone with one of her girlfriends, probably gossiping with old Flo. <laughs> mom, mom, mom. Like clearly under duress. Mike, what have I told you? When I'm on the phone, you don't bother mommy. You know, she talks just like that. To and, be fair, his uh, it was a very much like a kid, like, this is life or death. You have to listen to me. <laughs> Do we have any repairs planned today? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I just felt like and then Dustin comes screaming in. We have to go now, all wide eyed. And yeah. then they just run. <laughs> and then we don't come back to Karen for a solid six or seven minutes, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is just some editing. And it was right after. But it made it look like. 30 minutes later, she went downstairs like, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They did leave. <laughs> Where was baby Holly this whole time? I don't know. Just uh, maybe Ted was fathering for once in his damn life. Probably. No, not. he wasn't. <laughs> baby Holly's still nursing the hangover from the last episode. <laughs> yeah. She went hard. So then we get uh, an epic chase scene. Uh, the likes of which has never been seen in a box. I meant like a television box. Uh, it was very, uh, what's the word? Hmm. You know, like... Intense? Uh, intense is a word that applies. Um, but it's not... It's like how you describe a Fast and Furious movie, maybe. Aside than, other than shitty. Schlock. <laughs> schlock. No, not schlocky. Not schlocky. <laughs> exhilarating. That's the word. I'm exhilarating. Okay. Okay. Very yeah. exhilarating okay. chase. Uh, we've got seven to nine uh, vans, which I thought was unnecessary because they're not using multiple routes. I know how suburbs work. These streets are all connected. These are adults that have unlimited resources, seemingly. And then we got kids on bikes. And there's like nine vans right behind the bikes, not gaining speed. You know. <laughs> Although that one took the turn pretty hard. Oh, hardcore. Yeah, he was, that was the stunt driver. That, God damn it, Frank. <laughs> this is not Lethal Weapon 5. Just, I don't have enough money for another take. Let's just leave it in. I just felt like a van could have pulled around Elm Street and kind of like, cut them off, you know. <laughs> right. uh, I would also like to see a child chase where they just get run over just one time where they realize 
<laughs> too late that they're on bikes and we're in vehicles and I'm, I'm, I'm gaming. Oh, oh uh, we only needed the one, right? <laughs> Bad news, fellas. Do we have a 12 anywhere <laughs> in storage? <laughs> so um, then we get the car lift. Eleven uh, uses her psychic powers to lift the van over her head and to smash on its roof behind them. Which was an epic shot, the way that the camera followed the track of the van looking down on Mike and Eleven. Mm-hmm. And you see, so she's fine. And then it cuts to the van flying and then back downward to them. And now there's blood coming out of her nose, which is kind of hard to see because it's kind of a long, far away shot. I was just absolutely enamored with the detail on that. And did you guys pick up on that? I mean, mm-hmm. it was pretty obvious. Oh, yeah, but it's incredible. I was just very pleased by that. I wanted to mention it. I just wanted to say no one, uh, none of the bad men... They really are bad men because none of them gave a shit about their compatriots that were in that van. I know. If they flip, they're like, oh, damn, the kids got away. (laughs) Modine just gets out and does his dick wench pose. Yeah. (laughs) I will meet again, Eleven. Papa's coming. Yeah, it's in the outtakes. The dude that's laying there upside down. (laughs) 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 So bad. Will somebody clean this up? (laughs) And how are they hiding this? I know that they have good cover-up resources, but you've got... And that's the kind of suburb where somebody goes 45 in a 25 and you've yes. got ladies everywhere. Slow down. Children <laughs> playing. You know, like every neighborhood has that one woman or one person. If there's In my neighborhood, it's this lady who lives across the street from me who just sits outside their yeah. house all day. And it's like, what's happening? She, The lady in my instance literally has binoculars that she uses to spy on people <laughs> in the neighborhood. Wow. It's creepy. Wow. So you know Is that, that Lucas's lady. mom? <laughs> yeah, you know it's Lucas's mom. <laughs> who are these weirdos? Freak shows. <laughs> Freak shows. <laughs> but yeah, you know one of them will be like, I am calling the number to the power company and letting them know that <laughs> none oh, yeah. of their drivers this suburb is a ghost town none of the children from the school are we to assume that dustin mike and lucas are the only children that play outside from that school it's the 80s there right. should be like kids everywhere uh you know it's a little dad washing a car maybe some lawnmower action this is like four in the afternoon on a weekend in a suburb beautiful day there was a shot of the sky that panned downward at one point. Uh, was it? Is it a tilt? I'm sorry. I don't yeah, want, tilt, it's yeah. not a pan. I'm just embarrassing. Oh, Tilts downward from the beautiful sky. It's a good day to be outside. So then they meet back up at the junkyard after losing uh, the nine vans. I didn't count them. I think there was roughly nine vans. We can we can comfortably say less than ten at most. A hundred. Yeah. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know if they were all in the shot or not. So we, Lucas comes around. How, how did you guys feel about Lucas's change of heart? Did you feel it was earned? Uh, ish. You know, he kind of uh, has his moment of like, oh, did you see that? No, Dustin, we miss it. And he's, mm-hmm. That was that was Luke's like awesome. That was awesome. And, uh, you know, he has his little moment, sit down and he says, yeah. Uh, all that stuff I said about you being a traitor, I'm sorry. And then Eleven has her nonsense line. Friends don't lie. It's like, that's not the moment for that Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no, it made sense because she lied. Yeah. yeah no, so she was um, saying, friends don't lie, I'm sorry too. What The only thing about that scene that I didn't like is that after all of that, Mike offers the handshake again and Lucas hesitates again. It's like, you guys just had your moment of like, okay, let's put all the past behind us and let's move on. And then Mike offers the handshake. So you know what? I am. 
am still mad. <laughs> and then shakes his hand. They made a dramatic pause. Yeah. I was expecting, even on a second rewatch, no handshake. Brothers give hugs. <laughs> I was just about to say something like that. <laughs> I was going to say it would have been better if they played it off like in like a pro wrestling match when the guy offers a hand. They're like, get that shit out of my face. <laughs> We're hugging. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was expecting. What did you think? Was it earned from Lucas, Steve? Um, I think so. Um, he, where did it come from? from whence? Oh, uh, well... A, he realizes through watching the the bad men in the lab leave, he realizes that there actually were bad people after Eleven this entire time that he didn't really believe in. And also, she used his power, uh, Eleven used her powers, arguably for the first time, to benefit all of them and like take them out of... She saved them. And mm-hmm. that's the first time she's used her powers in that way in front of Lucas. Yeah. Um, so in a way, maybe that's his way of thinking like, oh, I've just been a jealous jerk this whole time. And yeah, and I mean, when you are in a situation like that with people that you care about, where it's like very, very high stakes and you make it out together, that that's a very bonding experience. Yeah. So. When you make out together. Oh, yeah, right. well, yeah. So you don't think it was earned? No, I mean, I was I'd love the moment. I just somewhere in the back of my mind was like, I really don't know what in the past, you know, 60 minutes of the show has caused Lucas to have this change of heart. I mean, mm-hmm. he's. He thought what she did with the van was awesome, but also conceivably in Lucas's mind, they wouldn't even be chasing them without Eleven. So I think there's plenty of room there for Lucas to still be a dick. Um, And maybe he just was lonely and caught up in the moment. He's back with his friends and that was awesome. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, that's awesome. Jacked up. I love you. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, so I can get that. I love the moment. I just wanted to, you know, get some thoughts about what exactly, because there was no, in my mind, like specific event other than that. That caused him to have a change of heart, hmm. uh, specifically. Um, so then we get down to um, the the sociopath <laughs> cops talk down to Joyce, uh, which actually was a pretty funny scene. With uh, there was a couple funny scenes with the sociopath cops in this episode. Yeah. I, I'm gonna just pause right here and just say I think this is my favorite episode of the show so far. Um, it's the I got like, we'll talk later about the chills and the tears that I got, but I also laughed out loud, I think more than I have. So to have mm-hmm. those things combined and there was some genuine thrilling, scary moments too. So mm-hmm. just all in all, I think all bases are covered in chapter seven. And it's the one of the, one of the shortest episodes. Yeah. It's 42 um, minutes. It just, it seemed like seven, you know, or 11. Hey. Uh, so yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the Joyce and Hopper find out that the Bobby Brown. Jonathan and Nancy are at the police station. So they arrive there to, to look at that. And uh, the sociopath guy just, just goes ham on, on Joyce there. Your um, son assaulted a police officer. Uh, ma'am, I just can't do that. Don't you know? And, and then by so, assault, he means he put his face in the line of <laughs> Jonathan's elbow. <laughs> he wasn't even looking at him. So then they find the monster hunting supplies. So Hopper's coming to her defense, and he's like, Hop, you got to look at these bear traps and guns and stuff before you go defending this kid. No. And Hopper's like, that doesn't look good, actually. What's up? <laughs> Again, this is pre-terrorism in America, so he's just scolding him like, oh, what are you going to do with the bear traps and the gasoline and the gun, Jonathan? Hmm? So... uh uh, cut to Karen finding she finally goes down to the basement, which we alluded to earlier. Did she just realize she has a basement? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like looking around it, like, 
wow, there's a lot of cool stuff down here. <laughs> and of course, she finds a long thing of blonde hair from the wig that the bald girl wears. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she doesn't find like ego crumbs or anything like that. She's like, oh, I think Mike's been sneaking some ladies down here. <laughs> I know there's like a little like uh, what's a cot built up in the soul. Right. She's just like trying to put it all together. Um, so then the sociopet no what's her name what did I call her last time ah the social worker assassin mm. shows up at Mike's house and I all I could think as Ted answers the door is just, please shoot Ted <laughs> Ted no just please that would be so cathartic just doof, doof, <laughs> Ted had some wonderful moments too he really did he's, so he's Tedding it up he's yeah. a little teddy bear fucking Ted can we pause <laughs> I, I don't hate to be shallow what the fuck is Karen doing married to Ted? I don't know. And without Ted, we wouldn't have Mike and Nancy, maybe. Are we really trying to buy that that is Ted's seed? I'm not. Karen, uh, we, we, we alluded last time that Karen had some wilder years. I'm just saying, <laughs> it makes a lot more sense. But he's not a handsome man. Right. Karen's gorgeous. And not that there can be nothing. Maybe Ted's got a lot of money and he's a very stable, loyal person, but well, he's the, a fucking moron. Yeah. I they just, alluded to that that he, that's the reason she's with him is because he's got a stable job and a steady mm-hmm. income. And I people have alluded that he's a good father, but I'm not seeing it. No, I'm not yeah. seeing any sort of like redeeming qualities other than he's Language. pretty much just... He's like he's human tofu is what he is. He's just human tofu, just bland. He said Jiminy Christmas in this episode. (laughs) I mean, like it doesn't get much more vanilla than that. My mom used to say that or something (laughs) like that. Or instead of maybe Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. uh, Instead of Jesus Christ. Oh, mom. Yeah. So just please shoot Ted. What did he he say to the police officers like uh, or to uh, Moudin? I can't remember. He says, what happened to her hair? And they just ignored it. And then it's like, oh my God, is she Russian? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mike with a girl. I mean, trust me, I've tried, but (laughs) we would know. That boy's not like his daddy. Am I right, Karen? He's not laying the pipe like Papa. He's not like the (laughs) (laughs) T-bone. He's such a fucking Jerry. Yeah. That's anyway. a solid Rick and Morty reference. Yeah, just Hayden. Anyway. He really is a Jerry. Oh, my gosh. Super Jerry. Jerry's cooler than Ted. Anyway, so um, Modine turns the charms on uh, Dr. Brenner, turns the charms on Karen. Hmm. And I, I did it in my notes. I call it the uh, the sinister sincerity because that's his weapon. That's his tactic with his employees, with hmm. his uh, kidnappees, uh, prisoners. His 11s. Uh, yeah, his 11s. That's And it's so creepy uh like he pretends to care and be very sincere and like so he goes up to karen and he's like look i know you're upset who wouldn't be am i right i wish i could tell you more but my hands are tied but i'm telling you mike is in a lot of danger and like you get this she can even sense that like you're the danger but there's nothing i can do and mm-hmm. there's like people everywhere and i don't know it's just it's so like i hate to say this but like Slowarmy molestery, like yeah. this vibe that he gives off, you know. Honey, don't be scared of Mister Modine. He's our government. <laughs> They've got our best interests at heart. Ted's such a patsy, and that's a hilarious line. I mean, this was uh, what a year and a half ago, so I don't think mm. Donald Trump was president yet. But there's plenty of other reasons to mistrust the American government, uh, and so 
that line just delivered in today's context was obviously comedy from the Duffers. Right. I thought that was great. Or maybe from Justin Doble. Do you find uh, Matthew Modine, Dr. Brenner, um, threatening at all? Like, he, he's kind of like the threat from him is almost because he's non threatening in a way. He does yeah. have all this power, mm. but he's not very threatening at all. Like, physically, he's not scary looking. He's, he doesn't have like a very big physical performance that makes him intimidating. He's just like, Hello, I'm here to help you. I do not. And except in that scene, I just, I got the first sense that this is not uh, somebody who thinks they're doing things for the greater good, which he does. He is that. But I also got like a a sinister quality from him. Like, uh, I don't know. Andy, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, Karen's uh, acting kind of plays up and, and lends to how sinister he is in that moment. She's like got like tears rolling down her face just sort of nodding real shallow like yeah no I, i'll trust you you know what i mean like uh at no point really has he ever had a sinister projection of power you know what i mean just it's Except more like 11 yeah i was gonna say like what i think where the audience gets their uh fear of uh dr brenner is because it, it comes as a result of how much we care about Eleven and we know what she's been through. And so just his presence at all, rather than like being physically imposing or anything like retroactively makes you fear for the character that you've fallen in love with, regardless of what he is doing in the present moment. Sure. He reminds me of uh, like a character from the X-Files. Never really Smoking watched Man? it. Not the boss, the smoking man, but just any kind of character. Like, it just feels like maybe that's what we talked about him being like a David Lynch type character and how he looks like David Lynch himself. He's Mulder's uh, human resources officer. Yeah, just <laughs> he just you never watched X-Files? Uh, a couple episodes. But that's I love it. that show. I think I was probably seven or eight, but I just. Dun, 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 dun. I had to stop watching that show after like. <laughs> it creeped me three. the fuck out. I had to stop watching it because it was like it creeps me out because I said earlier in an earlier episode, I'm scared to death of little grays. Uh-huh. And so that was horrifying, but it, I had to stop watching it because every episode it seemed like these little grays would like f- like mess with Scully, and she'd be like, "Ah, these aliens!" And then at the end of the episode, I just don't know if aliens are real. <laughs> they would drive me nuts. <laughs> well, she's got to have proof. She's very scientific. They just molested you in the hallway. <laughs> but did they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So then we cut to uh, back to the boys in the junkyard drawing a very mature map in the dirt. I felt like there was a solid line and three sticks of different sizes (laughs) and a can. (laughs) I just like that was so the visualization was so unnecessary. This is Elmwood Drive. This sticks the fence and goes all the way around. I couldn't find any comparable sticks. So I'm just using these branched. Anywho, you get the idea. And, and this, this is the place. <laughs> and the can in the center is where we need to be. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, they're 12. It's no big deal. Um, come back to the sociopath again and Troy's mom. And he's like being very derisive towards the little boy's plight. Uh, as Hopper comes out, like, what the hell's going on out here? And then you know, Troy's, the mom's trying to explain what happened to the... You know, he broke my arm and your officer is being very rude to me. And it's like, I mean, it's just some little girl broke his arm. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. it's the fact, Hopper. And he's like half laughing. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to state a fact. Because <laughs> he is an asshole. He yeah. has no feelings. We've yeah. established that. Yep. But now it's funny because it's happening to Troy. 
Because Troy's an even bigger asshole. Yeah. And then Troy's like, I love how Hopper is, with everything Hopper knows, Troy's story is very believable. It's fitting in line with the narrative that Hopper is, has been investigating this whole time. But we get this funny exchange for all the other characters where Troy's like, she can make you fly. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's what, uh, you know, Terry Ives' sister told me she could do. And piss yourself. <laughs> and the other cops like, said, what? Because <laughs> that is so random. Like, okay, make you fly. That's weird, but I'm with you. And piss yourself. Yeah. Like, those are two very are two powers. irrelevant superpowers. Yeah. Sign her up for the X-Men. Captain Fly, pee-pee pants. Uh, do you, like, Troy's mom has to be the most trusting mother of all time because... He's, I know. She's like, tell him. Tell him, honey. No, tell him. Tell him about tell him yourself the power. real stuff about how she can fly and make you pee yourself. <laughs> like, if I told my mom that, she'd be like, go the fuck to sleep. Go hang out with that <laughs> shitty mom in the basement thing or something. Get away from me. Yeah, I just, uh, I noted that too. I, I guess that's why he's such a shitty kid. He's just yeah. too trusting mother. Did you like uh, Hopper's performance in that scene only because he comes and he's very dismissive, like, ah, just... You take down a statement. And get her out of here. Yeah. And he walks away. And then, uh, what does the kid say? Like, she she can. He said she didn't have any hair. Oh, she didn't have any hair. And there was and blood on her nose. He turns around. So he goes from going like, just take a statement. Get her out of here. Boy says she didn't have any hair. What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> and he just lays Troy out with the hopper punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, hearkening back to the story, of course, that he heard from the original coroner. About what happened at Benny's diner, right? Mm. Ooh, memory on fleek, as the kids say. <laughs> uh, cut to Steve, Tommy H, and uh, Carol. We always forget Carol. It's my mom's old, name. <laughs> old Carol. Uh, Steve got fucked up. Dude, yeah, he, did. he did. Jonathan went to town on Steve. How much time has passed since their fight? Because he hasn't cleaned those wounds. Well, yeah. they're still. Yeah, you're right. He's just. <laughs> I putting think the, this is just a couple hours later. Yeah, I, is it, I, okay. I, I had this thought um, during uh, when we were watching the last episode. I think that this season takes place over like a week at most. Yeah, yeah. Like it is a it really has to short because period. Will's time. had no food or water. Right. And, and I think last episode they mentioned that Will has almost been missing a week. Mm-hmm. Is what Joyce sells uh, Terry Ives. Uh-huh. That's true. Um, but yeah, but I forgot that the last episode ended with them going to the prison, and then this one starts off with Jonathan and Nancy being at the prison still. Right. But like, I just kind of forgotten that. You mean the police station? Or police station, not yeah. prison. That'd yeah. be a way different show. <laughs> yeah, like be. Oz meets Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs> That'd be a fucked up show. <laughs> Orange is the new Upside Down. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so I kind of forgotten that like it's literally maybe an hour or so yeah. after the fight. But it, so seeing Steve's face like that, it's like, dude. <laughs> you need to do something about Go that. Go to urgent care. <laughs> yeah, he got. I've been in a couple of scrapes in my day, in my youth especially, and never won. But like that is a beating, yeah. you know. Like that, typically professional fights end up with a face like that and nothing else. But anywho, it was pretty funny. Uh, Steve confronts Tommy H, so that's when Andy is vindicated. He was trying to elude last time sneakily because he had seen the show since we had. Yeah. He already knew that Steve did not personally spray paint the wall and the theater. By the way, how did old Tommy H get up to the marquee to spray paint that? And no one noticed. Here's my logic. (laughs) I assume he did it in the daytime. He would have had to bring a ladder, which is way too much zeal uh, for a petty crime like that. But even if he did, how would he get it up? Because how does any of us get it? <laughs> a lot of effort. Because he was in the alley 
a hundred yards away at most mm. spray painting another sign and who comes back 12 hours later to, to, to fit. You know what I mean? So like yeah. literally it had just happened. I'm just wondering how the hell he got up. He's on Carol's shoulders. Like get it, honey. <laughs> yeah, she is a slut. Uh, anyway, just want to throw it, that out there. Does that redeem Steve in your eyes? That he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I think it makes him uh, more redeemable. Yes. Uh, if he had done it himself, it's a lot harder to come back from that. Even, he, But I would even buy that. I've done some horrible things and anger and jealousy and, you know. But it's easily uh, something to buy that he, in that state, just allowed his shitty friends to push him along and egg him on. Because I'm sure that they had a lot to do with how he was processing that information. He got back to the car and he was mm. like, hey, Carol, Tommy H., just saw Jonathan Byers up there. I don't know what's going on. I'm sure Carol was like chewing gum, popped like a big 80s bubble and twirled her hair and was like, you know, them sluts are up there just doing it. Just <sighs> talking about how a piece of shit you are, Steve. Tommy H cracking a beer, driving, of course, going, <laughs> you just going to take that, bro? bro? That fucking freak shows with your girl. Yeah, he's up there talking about your three inch dick. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, dude. I told you not to tell anybody. <laughs> anyway, so then we get a confrontation with where we realize that Steve is a little better than Tommy H. and Carol, which I think is uh, pretty new stuff. And I think it's a lot better to talk about that in the finale, what, yeah. what happens with Steve. He rejects them. He rejects he them. He rejects them. Yeah. And he says that... Uh, Tommy he, H. punks him out, though. He does, but Steve, the one thing I do like in this exchange that Steve does is he says uh, Nancy, he's, he makes a point to say that Nancy actually cares about mm-hmm. people and wants people to like better themselves and be good, but Tommy H. and Carol just want everyone to be miserable just like they are. Yeah. And that and hits I, them deep. And I think that's a an eye-opening moment. I mean, he couldn't open up his one eye all the way because yeah. it was swollen, <laughs> but I mean, it's an eye-opening moment for him nancy's turned you into a pussy yeah a pussy and then he's like screaming down the street after the receding bmw and even carol in the background if you looked in the background she's a little blurry because it was a, a, a short depth focus, of field yeah. but uh, she was just like oh my god she used to look like such a douche right now screaming at that car <laughs> we're just trying to get some quick cash cokes and stuff. come on let's get some scratch offs so then we cut to uh, <laughs> jonathan nancy hopper and joyce with like a Marvel team up and Nancy's freaking out about the, uh, the Hawkins lab uh, government officials at her house. And then, so Jonathan decides to show him the walkie. I got an idea. He says, which we all knew hmm. was going to be Will's walkie talkie. Uh, Jaybird comes in in the clutch in the clutch as Jaybird do. <clears throat> Steve offers to help clean up the graffiti off the marquee. Be within an inch of his life. He's yeah. like, because you I can do that help, man. Like, Again. I wouldn't let a kid like that on a ladder. If, <laughs> right. Like, even if I knew that's the one that did it, I, I would know. be like, dude. Uh. He shows up horrible. <laughs> did you have anything to do with this? Are you concussed? <laughs> no, I just want to, I just want to help. I wrecked on my bike, like right up there. And I saw you up here cleaning and I just want to help. I don't know if you saw, but like moments after this was put up, uh, these kids got in a fight, like literally in the rally. <laughs> There's police officers. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to help. And he's like, do it. Good. Whatever. Just climb up this rickety ladder, which is uh, set up a little too far, about three feet too far to the left to actually be effective cleaning, but makes good framing for the yeah. shot. It's a beautiful shot. It's a good shot. Uh, but Ted's a douche in my notes again, because I think that's where he actually said, let's just trust the government. Um, we pay Hopper our taxes. Smash. So they have this hilarious exchange, the boys, uh, where they argue over whether or not to answer the walkie-talkie when uh, Nancy and Hopper are trying to reach them. Uh, Mike eventually makes the decision to respond, 
And then the government officials show up first and we get a cool little scene where they're hiding in the bus and we get the suspense and oh no, they're about to be arrested. And then Hopper knocks out single-handedly at least three men with dart guns. Yeah. Were there three? I, I remember seeing two. Were there three? There, there yeah, three. there's at least three. Damn. He just, we just hurry. It's like one of those things in the video game where you kill the guy right next to the other guy and he's like, what was there's that noise? something prowling around yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> there's a tent on him for, hey, what was that noise? <laughs> All good here. <laughs> yeah, he was very you, swift. Th- th- this might just be me, but... The, the three government agents, I felt like those guys stuck out like a sore thumb. They didn't fit in with the world. They were wearing the, like three-piece suits Three-piece blue suede shoe, uh, uh, blue suede um, suits, and they're, they're looking snazzy. fly as fuck. <laughs> um, they look out of a, like, uh, clear out of a 70s film and not yeah. an 80s and they film. they like those brown Cadillacs, and I took it like uh, they were the upper echelon of Dr. Brenner's forces, mm-hmm. like the hazmat suits and Dick Winch guys. Those are just level one flunkies that he snap necks, whatever. Don't care. He's bringing out the big guns. Now get the brownies. All right. That came off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the little girls, the, the, brown, the, the brown cars. Anyway, moving on. Um, Nancy meets 11 is in my notes. That was just fascinating. It was just a small moment where they all show up at Will's house. And, and the, maybe this is why part of the reason this episode's my favorite is there's so much payoff. Well, that's where the worlds collide. All of know? our favorite characters yeah. meet. Uh, but specifically, I think Steve had this theory about Nancy teaching 11 womanhood remotely through her own experiences, her bedroom, her clothing and such. And uh, so they, I was really paying attention when they finally met. And there was just this adorable moment where Nancy is that my dress and it was supposed to be like a one-off joke but I think there was a lot of emotion there for me because of Steve's speech mm. um, where it's like hey girl I'll see you looking pretty you know <laughs> <laughs> you got a good taste Eleven yeah <laughs> I mean the jean jacket is a little weird but well, Eleven was kind of almost looking at her like oh my god because that's what the first young woman that she's met maybe ever Maybe yeah. ever. And she's looking at Nancy almost like she's a celebrity, just even there. She's yeah. just like, I don't want to talk to her because she looks cool. <laughs> oh my God, what do I say? What do I say? <laughs> oh, she's pretty, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. Why do you have a blonde wig? <laughs> <laughs> Is that real hair? Uh-huh. And then I have in my notes here, it just killed me. So I forget the, the question that Hopper asks Eleven. So they're all discussing inside Will's house what to do with the plan of action. There's a lot of exposition where they share information that they've all gleaned that we all have, mm. you know, about the electromagnetic fields and compasses and how 11 works and how the lab works and all this. Um, I think does Hopper say, can you find them again or something like that? Right. To 11. I think so. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. hasn't, she hardly ever speaks, but when Millie Bobby Brown speaks, the world listens, she says two word, one word twice. And I think that's some, you know, before that, all she had said is friends don't lie. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all she says the whole episode. And then she just goes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it sounds weird, but I just, it's, 
the fact that she hardly ever speaks makes it so powerful when she does, mm-hmm. even in her like simplistic lexicon. It's the silent Bob syndrome, bro. Like yeah. when they speak, you fucking listen because right. they've been silent this whole time up till then. It just, I don't know, something about that emotive power of that moment, you mm-hmm. know, Yes. And it always does that close up. And I don't know. I'm just very pleased by that. I don't mean to harp on that small moment, but tub. Uh, <laughs> um, so then Eleven tries to look for Barb and she needs more power like Tim Allen. Uh, Solid home improvement reference. <laughs> Thank you. Man. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Clark is at Casanova. Can we just talk about that? Mr. Clark can get it. He can get it. That Asian woman was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just sitting on the couch watching the movie. She's like, oh, this movie's so scary. He's like, hey, babe, they only made that with bubble gum and uh, popcorn. Science reeling them in. His phone rings. like, sorry, I'm super popular. I'll tell him to call back later. And I love how he's all horny. And he's not right now, boy. <laughs> the mustache train is about to leave the station. <laughs> Clarky's about to get it. About to be some different. We're about to do biology tonight, boys. <laughs> so Science uh, is going to be real fun. <laughs> Dustin convinces him to teach him how to make sensory deprivation tanks over the phone right then during his date at 10 p.m. Mr. Clark's the best teacher in the world. He, he is. is. He's like, awesome. That's he, the teacher we so need. He's so good. He, he encourages these kids. He's there for them. He talks to them. And like, look what he see sacrifices Saturday night to talk to Dustin about <laughs> deprivation tanks. <laughs> Dustin manipulates the shit out of him. I wish there was a shot of like him like, okay, and then you fill the bathtub and put it at 85 degrees and you fill it. And then like the girls in the back are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> She's just like, is that a student? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh... I love that line, Dustin. What did he say to him? He was like, you told us that to, to follow creativity, no matter where it leads us, why are you keeping this creativity door closed or some shit like <laughs> yeah, that? Curiosity. Yeah. curiosity yeah. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Just he's such a little bastard. I love it. Uh, I felt so bad for the boys at that moment because there's no Google. No. Like if Clark was a dick and was like, nah, Clarky's getting some booty or, you know, they're done. There's no way that there's the libraries closed. Like this is the eighties, how to make a sensory deprivation tank that is done to them. Mm -hmm. And it was just fascinating to me because in today's like a show set in 2017, that wouldn't work. Right. Call Mr. Clark. Oh, he's really horny. He's not answering. Wait, why didn't we just Google it? It's way smarter than Mr. Clark. (laughs) In fact, let's just Amazon one. It's already built and it'll be here in two hours. (laughs) Hey guys, YouTube's got a video tutorial. (laughs) It's it's hilarious. Like stories were so much easier and more fun to write 20 years ago. Uh, A little more difficult now. So many ways to get a plot hole. I was listening to uh, Dungeons and Demogorgons, which is a much smaller Stranger Things recap show. Uh, No, it's a bald move show. So Mm. whatever. They're cool. But uh, I was a little disappointed in the cynicism with which they approached it, but they're also right. But they talked about Eleven's lack of an ability to speak as plot armor because they referred to it like if Eleven could speak with as many, has as large of a vocabulary as we do, the show would be over in one episode. Hmm. I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's just an interesting thought. I don't agree with it either. Thank you, Steve. Because she's defensive about what people know about her in the beginning so she wouldn't right. just be like hey let me tell you my tale <laughs> right <laughs> let me tell you my tale um so then they go on a hunt for salt they need 1500 pounds of salt to a fill shitload of salt the largest kiddie pool i've ever seen we've already established this city is one square mile that's enough salt till like 2020 
three, you know what I mean? Like, but it's suburban rural Indiana where conceivably it snows a lot. Yeah. Right? And this is back before snow days. You get those little fuckers out of there. Right? They got to salt all three roads. <laughs> That's yeah. true. I love However, that line that uh, Hop says where he's like, at, at worst, no school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I love that moment. Uh, one of my favorite moments of the episode, Mike tries to break the door down like he's he's seen a bunch of lethal weapon movies and he's like i got this sis and he's ow (laughs) ow and then nancy's a badass she's like hold up pipsqueak gets a big ass rock out of nowhere and smashes that lock one Uh, swing we get a really good uh bonding moment brother and sister who have heretofore only argued where they share some things and have a good moment and nancy just says no more secrets ever. And then they proceed to both lie to one another. Yeah. <laughs> so you like Jonathan now? What? Well, they lie to each other because really they're lying to themselves. Mm. You know, the Nancy Rock thing, I think that's uh, a little bit of a callback to the last episode where Nancy's mom like is all sly and picks the lock and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, like mother, like daughter kind of thing. I thought that was pretty that's tight. That's what I'm saying. Ted's genes have nothing to do with Nancy and Mike. But I know. I wouldn't be surprised if Lonnie was their Lonnie. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a little Lonnie in them for sure. Uh, Lonnie's then, just everyone's dad. <laughs> so when we see Joyce interact with Eleven and know she has seen adult females, I assume it's only been social worker assassin and her entourage. Uh, and Quite a role model. The first matriarch that she's ever had. Uh, and she's so kind and she's asking her to do something that Dr. Brenner asked her to do, which I thought for a moment about arguing like, are these, is this fucked up of her to ask yeah, Eleven to go like in there? Using her and shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I had this moment of like, what are they doing to this little girl? Mm. Um, and yeah, it's her fault sort of that the gates open, but not at all at the same time. It was something she was forced to do. But then it was like, if that was my son and a strange girl that I knew had this ability, I probably wouldn't even be as nice as Joyce. I'd be like, okay, bald girl, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> I got egos. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Listen up here. This is what we're doing. So, yeah. That, that made me tear up too. Cause mm. she, she, she has this like uh, motherly thing about mm. it. She's like, now if it's ever too scary, you know, I'm going to be right there, yeah. you know? And like, yeah, that's the first maternal care that Eleven's ever experienced up to this point. And you can beautiful. see it in her face how long she's been craving that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and deep contrast between how Brenner. Oh yeah, in the same situation, how kill Brenner, the cat. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a coke. <laughs> kill the cat, you. <laughs> and I, I'll just be honest with you guys, all the way 100. Uh, I, I missed my mommy a great deal in that moment. You mm-hmm. know, because there's nobody loves you like your mama. You know, no matter how sensitive your father is, how many friends you have. The mommy thing is just absolute and unequivocal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that was a huge moment for me. Um, so they keep pouring salt in. It's a hilarious little montage of trying to get the sensory deprivation tank. Lucas and Dustin are arguing over how to set that massive, shitty design 80s kiddie pool up. <laughs> Apparently, is it not inflatable? I don't understand how it works. I I imagine uh, it's like wireframe. Never or seen that model. Yeah. Uh, but they were they were kids in that like just real kids in that moment yeah. again. Like it was the eighties. They didn't have inflatable technology back then. I don't think they did. I don't know. It's like how did like maybe Holly couldn't swim then because they don't have floaties. <laughs> it's just got wire mesh things on her. It's like cutting her. Whoa, 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 whoa! Baby Holly can swim. <laughs> That's true. Not, not when she's drunk. <laughs> That's true. 
And they're just like, pull it out, but go this way. I am son of a bitch. You know, just, that's how kids are. <laughs> a little character moments. Little good stuff. Cussy bastards. Uh, adding more saw. And then Lucas screaming cold hot, you know, uh, I don't know why it's funny, but it is. And then, um, I noticed for the first time, obviously the upside down as 11 sees it is, uh, modeled after the, uh, Scarlett Johansson film under the skin, under the skin. We've talked about that at great length before, but it doesn't look anything like the upside down that Nancy has seen that Barb sees for one second. And that will is in is the upside or uh, under the skin, pure black puddly area, like the space between worlds. Yeah. It's yeah. like not the upside down or the right side up. It's like the inside out, you know, for 11. <laughs> I don't want you to ever say 11's inside out again. Oh, you <laughs> anyway because yeah, she, <laughs> she goes there to find the russian guy at one point so it's yeah. kind of like a almost like a the space between spaces it's mm-hmm. like this bridge that she's able to build psychically mm-hmm. uh, which i guess that was pierced which allowed the gate um i just thought it was i don't know why it never occurred to me before i was like wait that's not where will is you know <laughs> i can find them no you can't <laughs> they're not there and she seems to be able to have like a uh, a gps of the psychic powers where she fast travel yeah fast travels straight to barb's <laughs> disgusting body and that was what awful. happened to barb <laughs> <laughs> she's got like the monster it's supposed to be mm. like a uh monster coming out of her but it looks like a nasty tongue like something out of uh, friday the 13th it was you just know? like Some a madagascar cockroach take, or something yeah it's taking residence in her face yeah Are those she like looked awful demogorgon babies that it's like i don't know it's using her Demo as babies. a cocoon i don't know because he ate the shit cocoon. out of that deer and where's the guy the guy yeah the from the the first five seconds of the episode of the series oh, that dude that gets like in the, up elevator. the elevator mm-hmm. yeah yeah is he cocooned somewhere maybe you sort of see the layer of the demogorgon Later. in the last episode yeah spoiler alert <laughs> uh is, and, there, is there a person out there who's like where's greg and <laughs> justice for greg <laughs> justice for greg the guy from the first episode 11 just starts screaming gone because she doesn't know the word for dead. And it's this heartbreaking moment where you see her limited ability to express her emotions with this horrifying idea pouring out of her as gone, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Nancy seems to understand what that means. She speaks Eleven, apparently. So Eleven's just Lenny. like, Barb, gone. And Nancy's like, Barb, gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! We know her, her car was dropped off at the bus stop. Where's she going? Where Barb go? <laughs> it would be funny if Eleven could only say the one thing, and she's like, "Barb, friends don't lie." <laughs> what? what the fuck does that mean, kid? <laughs> Mouth breather. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, she calls the Barb's corpse a mouth breather. <laughs> Bug breather. Mouth breather. Oh. Yeah, I got it, bud. <laughs> uh, then we get Joyce versus Hop. So they locate Will. We find him in his castle buyers. That was an epic moment, too, because we're in the uh, inside out version of the upside down. And she mutters castle buyers, which didn't know she could read. I don't think but that's awesome. And that was also pretty far away. So she has wonderful eyesight. Anywho. Uh, we get a cut back to the gymnasium and just the knowing look from Nancy to Jonathan. Uh, for some reason, it just was emotionally affecting to me. It was a very effective little mm-hmm. cut. Uh, props to the editor 
And then Joyce is uh, communicating to Will through Eleven. She's yeah. telling him her what to say. And it's neat that Eleven can hear Joyce. And when she starts freaking out about like, oh, Barb's gone, mm. Joyce is there to be like, honey, it's okay. Don't be scared. And it had this echoey, comforting quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we juxtapose. So she starts to lose her shit when she finds Barb's body. But unlike Dr. Brenner, Joyce is there to comfort her. She's not locked in this tank yeah. and uh, alone. And that's what children need. That's what all people need. And that's where I really broke down. Mm-hmm. Like I had a moment when she first talked to 11, but when she's shouting into the inside out, uh, I just had just got covered in chills and I'm trying to write notes and I'm crying and shit and like trying to, so Steve doesn't see me cause he's a really tough guy. So I'm like wiping tears. You crying away. over there? <laughs> <laughs> he's the Tommy H of this Why podcast. Why you crying you big puss? <laughs> <laughs> and he's turning you into a pussy. <laughs> Um, but Joyce is the best mom ever. Yeah. She's a really strong mother. I agree. Um, I agree. Did you guys, you guys like that moment too? I assume. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was a big one for me. It was probably the most emotionally affected I've been throughout the show so far. Um, mm-hmm. Much like clothes and malls. Winona stole that scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Cause she got uh, convicted of shoplifting for the listeners who don't know Winona Ryder's past. From like what, like seventeen years ago? Oh, <laughs> uh, pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty like long time ago. A while. Uh, cut to the worst painted school mascot I maybe have ever seen in my life. That tiger on the wall on the American flag, mm-hmm. uh, which is a cool shot of Nancy just sitting cool there. Shot, yeah, but wow, that's such a high school hallway yeah. First mural did, though did a great yeah. job that's probably a real middle school yes yeah, it's making me picture like the eagle the shitty eagle drawn yeah. at Scott and painted on the bricks at Scott yeah like it, it's very much in tune with what it would actually be at a school and, and it's such blocks. a cool shot you know like it's imposing predator thing over these two kids who are overwhelmed kind of huddled on the floor Ooh, like nice it's you know very they, symbolically affecting, but they also got the power of America behind. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, symbolism everywhere. So yeah, Nancy, uh, con- continuing her badassery, is the one who decides. Oh, because it's the government. That's why there's the flag with the predator oh, thing. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. The looming predatory government. <laughs> <laughs> That's what tigers sound like as well. Is that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Never heard of tiger? No. (laughs) Uh, Sexy tiger. So Nancy's the one that says, we can't just let Hop and your mom go in that thing. They're going to die. Hopper can punch. Your mom's pretty much used. What's she going to do? Smoke at the Demogorgon? Secondhand smoke doesn't kill that fast. Jonathan, we need to help. And Jonathan's like, I mean... I do kind of love my mom. Go yeah, you're hot. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do the thing again? Not that thing. <laughs> his, his, his line there is so weird. He says like, she's like, we got to do this. We got to do this. And he says something like, you want to try it again or something? It was such you, a You still want to try it? Yeah. Like, yeah, no shit. That's literally what she just said. And his line is vague and weird. I don't know. It's an otherwise very affecting, excellent moment that his line is just like, eh, that's bad writing. I don't want to try it. I want to kill it. What if she oh, said, yeah, you want to try it or something? What if she said, there is no try? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote down something that will be in the annals of Stranger Things criticism for all time. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm going to crack my knuckles. Oh, here we go. Nancy is justice for Barb. 
Explain. That was a dud. That was a dud. I set it up too high. Damn it. I thought you were going to like lay down this hot criticism of Stranger Things, but you're like, no, guys. <laughs> Nancy is the justice. <laughs> I just she was, is the strange thing. She's the justice. She's going to go. She's ready to fucking. She knows Barb's dead, and that's how she's reacting. She's angry. She wants retribution. Oh, she seeks fucking Justice for Barb. Justice. For Barb. <laughs> I thought it was neat. Nobody's ever said that before. Is that a criticism though? Didn't you didn't you say criticism? Yeah, like Stranger Things criticism, like analysis, you know, and like Criticism with a capital like, C. I thought, thought you are going to be like, this is my hot take about no, Stranger Things. No, 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 this no, is no, the no, greatest no. criticism, and then it'll go down the history of Stranger Things. That mural. <laughs> no, bad, just, bad form. Just edit out Andy's analysis of that. I think the flag is the government. <laughs> yeah, I came up with that piece. It's a really good one. It's a really good one, man. Thanks. Cut to the worst cops ever. A teenage boy is able to burglarize the police station without anyone accosting him whatsoever. Apparently there's a fourth cop. Didn't know that. Yeah, he's a handsome one. Was that a fourth cop? I thought it was the same cop who had just removed his glasses. Oh, I don't know. I also thought it was a fourth cop. I thought it was just like, oh, who's that guy? We could both be wrong. It's happened once before. They need a night shift. Nameless deaf cop is what he should have been. <laughs> in the, uh, I know, John is like, pigs with bear traps go <laughs> off, the gun fires, and he's like, have a good night. Flow? Flow. you keep it down? I'm trying to watch the game. Flow, lock up. Uh, don't forget to get jelly tomorrow. Hopper ate them all last time, okay? Come in a little early. Anyway, we just, I take it too far every time. <laughs> take it too far. I would say take it too far. You can never take it too far. Um, and then we cut back to poor little Will, who has not eaten or drank a drop of water in five to seven days, which was about to kill him. Mm. And you can see that. And I guess it's very cold in the upside down. He's still mumbling away at the one song that he knows, and which is apparently a comforting <laughs> song to him. And uh, the first song he's the only song he's ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> We get this horrifying prowl of the Demogorgon outside of Castle Byers and then classic 80s horror, probably contemporary horror even, where we th- you think the monster has left, but you know it hasn't, but you want it to be gone. And then just this cacophony as it explodes Castle Byers. And, and it I cuts think, so quickly. Yeah. As brilliant. And yeah. that's where the fucking episode ends. Mm-hmm. And since we do the show a certain way, we can't watch the next one yet. It's driving me crazy. What if that was the ending of season one? Uh, that would have been a Walking Dead maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> Anger. People would have rioted in the streets. I um, the coolest part about that particular bit to me was the score for the entire ending credits was just the growling and ominous ambiance of the Demogorgon, which mm-hmm. I thought was epic. Yeah. Really sold the uh, the emotion of that scene, and especially since we won't watch it for a couple days. It was just like the finality of it. You know, <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, was that the Demogorgon?" <laughs> Guess I think it's here with us. That was a pretty good Demogorgon. Yeah, it? pretty good. Thank you. Sound like Predator. 
So, which it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to uh, uh, Steve. Did you mm. count any wills in a particular segment you like to call the will call for streaming things? I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, four. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I don't know why you guys are laughing. I counted four will call. <laughs> there was definitely some wills for sure. Uh, what is will call? Oh yeah. Well, we should explain that will call is uh, when any whenever anybody in the episode yells will or where's will. Oh, we count those. Uh, there was a controversy uh, that we wanted to address. Uh, somebody was made a criticism. Of Stranger Things, an actual criticism, right. not, not justice for Barb, uh, where they couldn't get into the show because they got so annoyed with all the characters constantly shouting Will. And so we thought we would uh, put that theory to the test. And, and they're wrong, by the way. So they far. are. like Maybe like the first two episodes, yeah. So they clearly didn't make it past the first two episodes. Yeah. Huh. Maybe the first two episodes, but like what, like last episode there was zero. Yeah. Uh, and then there's been like maybe one or two. You couldn't see, but Steve held up his hands to mimic the shape of a zero. I feel like the the next episode's going to have a lot. Like it's going to set the record. I disagree. Well, because you're going to be oh, little, in well, maybe yeah, we'll I get see. what you're saying. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Oh, five, ah. which apparently I do a lot. <laughs> Andy, what's your favorite segment of this show? My favorite segment is chocolate pudding. What the fuck chocolate, is that? Because chocolate pudding is amazing. <laughs> and so during that segment, we decided to just talk about our favorite moments. We choose our top three. So we go around, take turns, say this was my three, this is my two, this is my one. Chocolate pudding. So my number three um, is going to have to be when Dustin calls Mr. Clark to ask about how to make a sensory deprivation tank just because Mr. Clark's sitting there being a pimp. He can and, get it. You know, yeah, he's getting it. And, but he cares so much about these boys. He cares about science. So when Dustin calls, he's like, guys, no, I'm really about to get it wet guys. You know, like, <laughs> um, he's like, why are you keeping this curiosity door closed? Which is one of the best lines of the whole series. And, uh, I just, yeah, it was really endearing that he's like, okay, you know, well, actually, matter of fact, I do know exactly how to make a sensory deprivation <laughs> tank, and this is how you do it. Can we just pause and talk about how he is a very underpaid teacher? Oh, for he sure. He knows a lot oh, of yeah. shit for a typical middle school science teacher. Let's yeah, just be honest here. He's got more than a BA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does he do in his spare time for him to be like, all right, get your notepad. I'll give you the measurements for how to make a sensory deprivation tank. He just sciences and bangs Asians. That's all he does. <laughs> He's my hero. <laughs> Steve, what's your number three chocolate pudding? My number three chocolate pudding is when the boys are hiding from the helicopters. They're mm. in the bus. And uh, I just love Dustin's obsession with going Lando Calrissian <laughs> Lando Calrissian yeah. it's, it's, it could be a trap guys like Lando Calrissian <laughs> he just watched it the day before that's Empire right yeah uh, that's yeah. Empire mm-hmm. um, my number three is Andy's number three the Mr. Clark sequence so Andy what is your numero dos numero number dos two. for me is gonna have to be like the entire opening sequence the uh, the kids uh, well there's the little touchy moment you can't keep picking whole sequences, bro. Well, it's like it's it's hard to, you know, separate it because it happens in such rapid succession. But uh, so Mike and Eleven have their little moment, and uh, dust. Uh, they realize that the bad men are coming, and uh, they take off. And then the van, that amazing shot um, with the van being knocked over their heads by Eleven, uh, just uh, and now that I'm my that favorite moment big air quotes is like probably three, four minutes, but it's just, uh, 
you know, it's rapid succession. And this is all before, even before the credits roll or the, op- the title sequence yeah. rolls. It's the, the longest beginning. time until the title sequence rolled. I yeah, think. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like set sets up the episode so well, just like now shit is really hitting the fan. You know what I mean? And like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just good. Good stuff. Okay. Steve, what is your number two? That is my number two. Mm. The the van sequence. It's mm-hmm. it's very um reminiscent to an Easter egg uh it is. So I will we'll say that one. But I love it just because it's badass. I mean, who doesn't love watching telekinetic powerful kids throw vans around like like Legos? It's great. Communist Russians. That's yeah. who. That's why they built her. <laughs> uh I have the same moment and I think to my chagrin and pleasure, we're all gonna have the same number one. Uh like I think this happened last episode. Troy. Troy. <laughs> the PP bullet joke. Andy, what is your number one? Uh, my number one is going to have to be Joyce and Eleven is all I wrote. Just uh, mm. Joyce's uh, maternal um, loving discussions with uh, Eleven prior to entering the sensory deprivation tank, giving uh, Eleven the first taste of what it's like to have a mother, to have somebody that cares about you, somebody that you can talk to when you have a problem, somebody that will be there for you when some, when the world gets overwhelming and this is something that she hasn't had before. Um, it ties into the later scene where she's in her inside out and, uh, um, Joyce's voice comes through when she's freaking out. And I don't know if you can count that as the same scene or not. I'm kind of cheating again, but yeah, yeah. just the interaction of Joyce and Andy, uh, his top three moments are the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's my number three. What about you, Steve? That is also my number three. Um, or, or number one, rather. Right? Yeah. Yo, you fucking sheep, Steve. <laughs> well, my number... <laughs> my number three is when they're in the bus and uh, the land of <laughs> No, my number one is the same as yours. It's the sensory deprivation scene mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, I Did you guys pick up on the Christ metaphors that were constantly thrown about where, like, Eleven's floating? Oh, yeah. In that... Who's that? Uh, Christ? <laughs> Jesus Christ? Um... <laughs> And then there's like a shot where, you know, she's floating and everyone is uh, like looking at her all like almost like one of those paintings where they're kind of looking at him. And then there's a, literally a God ray coming through the one window in the gym that's mm. shining right where like 11 is. And it's just kind of like, yeah. That's, oh, my I, God. I, I just it. realized something. He had 12 disciples. Uh, 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 Judas betrayed him. 12 minus one is <laughs> <laughs> she is the second coming. <laughs> and he Does that mean Stranger Things is all about the rapture? I think so. The demigorgon really is taking people? Where's Kirk Cameron? We need to cast him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a left behind joke. <laughs> and he was an 80s star. Am I a genius? <laughs> I think we've cracked the code. <laughs> Did you guys good. hear the Mel Gibson's directing season two? Ah, passion joke. Oh, oh, I thought it was a Mad Max joke. That was way off base. That's why I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> I thought you were serious for a second. I'm like, what? Seriously? Passion That's really It's going to be really violent and a little anti-Semitic. Like Eleven just starts spouting off anti-Semitic statements. <laughs> Eleven's getting beat to shit and then nailed to a big piece of wood. Oh, like, that's so awful. Though. Instead, of, yeah. instead of calling people mouth breeders, she's just like, Jew. <laughs> <laughs> My What's number one. <laughs> no, no, that's staying in. Do. That's staying in. God damn it. <laughs> that's staying in. Those are funny. 
Chris, what about you? What's your number one? My number one is the exact same scene. I talked at great length about all the uh, chills and uh, bumpy skin and tears that I got from that scene. So, but yeah, we are all on the same page there. Uh, our next segment, we like to call Easter Eggos. We hunt for Easter eggs and cultural references within the show. And where we cannot find them, we invent them for your pleasure. And <laughs> much like Trojan. <laughs> Here's your Easter eggos, made for your pleasure. (laughs) Let's just rattle them off, Andy, Steve, then me, and whatever's left, we'll we'll just go. I only have a couple this one, um, most obvious of which is uh, the references to Lando Calrissian um, during the uh, bus scene. Why is that relevant for Lando Calrissian? So, who is Lando Calrissian? Let's spoiler uh, Empire real quick for the listeners who have no interest in Star Wars and why that is a good reference. Lando Calrissian is a uh, fellow smuggler um, from the uh, from Han Solo's history. It's like a character that's introduced in the empire strikes back that um it's one of those characters is introduced where it's just like everybody already knows him kind of thing mm. um but he is uh forced to betray uh the uh han and luke and leia even um, though he's by their the empire friend. even though he is still well-meaning he invites them to cloud city under false pretenses uh by order of the empire in order to capture them that's what leads to the whole uh, Han being frozen in carbonite mm. sequence. This deal's getting worse all the time. <laughs> Steve. Ego from Steve. Uh, the van chase is very reminiscent to E.T. It is mm-hmm. extremely. When, like uh, they're, the alien wearing the dress on the bike. <laughs> yeah, if, if they just put Eleven in like a little basket in the front of the bike and like maybe put a blanket identical. on her. Yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty great. Uh, I would like to point out that the uh, losers. So... Troy, very, it caught my eye because he uh, puts a lot of emphasis, uh, which could have been like 80s acting, but I took it a little st- a, a notch higher. Mm-hmm. He's like, go with those losers. It's like he winks at the camera. <laughs> which is the Losers Club from the It novel, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to call out there. Andy, another ego from you, if uh, you have one. Uh, the uh, Van Chase sequence, now this is not... An ego as much like not doesn't apply to the time period or anything, but the uh, van being flipped uh, is very reminiscent of the Dark Knight uh, mm. when uh, uh, there is a giant uh, cord that's placed in the middle of, of a road in Gotham and uh, the uh, semi hits it and then flips uh, ass over face. And uh, I, I can't think of any other movie or TV show that has that very specific like front wheels just stop dead and then you know the back end of the vehicle shoots over it like that that's the only other time i've seen that done that's such a cool stunt too yeah that's <laughs> dope and i think they actually did that in they the did. dark night like they it, did it they in the middle of a chicago street yeah that's yeah awesome. it's just insane that they actually did that <laughs> steve another ego from you uh this harkens back to an easter ego that i think andy had a couple episodes back when the um uh, hawkins lab people are, are raiding mike's house uh, one of them comes out with a box of paraphernalia, and the very most prominent piece sticking out of the box is the board game Dungeon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they make it very obvious when they're carrying that out. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, like, "Hey guys," it's another like winking at the camera kind of moment. What about you, buddy? Uh, I'm gonna skip past that one. Doesn't count that much. Just they mentioned the Russians a lot, which the Cold War was obviously going on in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the when she's in the sensory deprivation tank, I did not get the vibe of Christ, which I'm sure actually is a thing—a little Christ figure action, a little allegory. 
Uh, it reminded me very much of a Steven, Steven Spielberg movie, uh, Minority Report. Oh, with I love that movie. The, uh, what is he called? Precogs yeah. laying in their little tanks to amplify their precog powers. Deep cut, man. Precogs. I wouldn't have remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, mm, precogs. I love that movie. That's precog a good mission. Movie. It is a good movie. So Underrated. Yeah, a little more Spielberg, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's not necessarily 80s, but other works of 80s powerhouses that they do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that was a move there on their part, so. Uh, Andy, do you have any more? Uh, yeah, my last one. Um, another uh, more contemporary film uh, throwback, I think, is uh, when the cops go to uh, look into Jonathan's trunk. It is a uh, Tarantino shot. He is very mm. famous for uh, yep. putting the camera in the trunk of a car or at the point of focus of the characters looking up at them. And they open it up and they all look down like, oh, shit. That's like Reservoir Dogs. They did it in... Uh, uh, Kill Bill. He, he's done it in a lot of his movies. So, yeah, I think that there was some pretty clear influence there. Steve, cool. do you have any more Eggos? I have three more. Okay. Uh, the real obvious one is Mr. Clark's watching the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the obvious one. Um, oh, yeah. When, <laughs> I totally didn't ask you what movie that was. No, man. You knew <laughs> right away. Um, the, the scene where Hop and gang are on the radio trying to get a hold of Mike. Um, and they kind of give up for a second and then there's like that he, he puts it on like the, the mm. fireplace mantle mantle and there's a uh, little kind of a zoom in on the on the mic zoom in <laughs> zoom in on the radio when Mike finally replies there's replies. a book there's a book on the mantle and it's uh, ghost stories by Hans Holzer oh Hansy he's a he's a he's a popular um, paranormal activity oh. writer uh, mm. and that's just one of his books nice um, also, there was another Vangela song playing throughout the episode. That's the where was that? You know, I can't remember where it was, but it played through I think two or three scenes, mm. like like quick scenes in succession. I'm gonna download some of his stuff on iTunes. I adore it. Yeah, for for the people who don't remember, that's the he's most famous for composing uh, the Blade Runner score, and it's very synthy, kind of ethereal sounding music. Mm. Wasn't he the one who did? Uh... <laughs> Like from uh, Friday the 13th? Yeah. He might have. I don't know. That'd <laughs> be cool Halloween. if he was. Is it Friday the 13th or no, is it Halloween? No, it's the Jason one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Jason. Yeah. yeah. Just, I was a joke, but I just really wanted to do that on the mic. <laughs> oh, well, then yeah, it probably wasn't. I believed you. I was like, oh, that's, oh are that's, you that's, being serious? I was I'm like, that sorry. sounds possible. I was, sure. That was the most absurd thing I could come up with on the fly. <laughs> it was the mom. Was that not a, uh, who directed <laughs> Halloween? John Carpenter. I believe is that John Carpenter? He did Halloween and Jason. I think so. Seriously, I can double check. Because if it's John Carpenter, he probably did his own soundtrack. He always does. Only we yeah, had these little does. portable computers. Well, while you're googling, let's call Dot Mr. Clark. He would know. <laughs> they were too busy fucking to save my boy from drowning. <laughs> uh, Talking about Ted and see. Karen. <laughs> Directed and scored by John Carpenter. Yeah, really. Oh, he, wow. I did not know for some reason that he did Halloween and Jason, but I knew tight? that if he did do Jason, he does his own com- composition. Yeah, I didn't know he did Friday the 13th. He did the music. How cool is that? He That's always him. does his own music. I didn't know that. He's only a composer pretty much now. Uh, the Halloween reboot, which is actually being written, co-written by Danny McBride, Ooh. is going to be scored by John Carpenter, I believe. Nice. Pretty dope. Little tidbit for you there, audience. <laughs> Drop a little knowledge bomb in your face holes, like nose or ears. Or at a point, <laughs> <laughs> eye socket. 
That's all we've got for today. That wraps up chapter seven. If you like what you heard or you're a kind person, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you can send us feedback at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. You can find Streaming Things on Twitter if you just click the little magnifying glass icon and type in Streaming Things. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at C. Michael Rudd. Andy. Um, uh, at Inkwell Verbal. And Steve. Uh, you can go to my website, stevemayfilms.com. Stevemayfilms.com. <laughs> you can also listen to my pro wrestling podcast mm. called K-Fabulous Wrestling Radio. What's that called? K-Fabulous Wrestling Radio. K-Fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just making sure because I didn't hear it well. It's, a, it's an amalgamation of two words. Mm. Fabulous and K-Fabe. K-Fabulous Radio. What is K-Fabe? Kayfabe is a made up word. Uh, it refers to in pro wrestling. You know how pro wrestling's fake? Yeah. What? Well, in oh. the in the story the in store universe of wrestling, it so where you're per, it's perceived as real, that's called kayfabe. Interesting. So uh, like if like two wrestlers um they're friends in real life, but on screen they hate each other, if they're in public and someone and they see a fan like, oh, they're hanging out together. They'll start acting like they hate each other because they got to keep it kayfabe. Oh. Got to keep it real for the for the for the masses. Oh, sorry. And that's tidbits like that and more <laughs> you can find on Kayfabulous Radio. Uh, that's about all we have. Look for our finale episode on Chapter Eight coming soon, and then we'll do a quick uh, recap of all of Season One. And then a little bit of an anticipatory episode on season two. Watch the trailers together. Talk about things like that. Things we'd like to see. Things we think will happen. And then we will all wait the last few days with bated breath for October 27th when Streaming Things 2 drops. And we'll cover that whole damn season because we are dedicated to you, our dear listener. Now we're going to go kill these flies. You have a wonderful night. My name is Chris. I'm Eddie. And I'm Steve. And that's Steve. Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming Things. I like how Andy stops saying streaming things and goes, yada da. <laughs> <laughs>